0: Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. This is Talking Tourism and I'm today's host, Sam Denmead. Every week, the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania we'll be bringing you conversations with the brightest minds in the tourism industry. TICT is the peak body for tourism operators in the beautiful state of Tasmania. Each episode of Talking Tourism will deal with a specific tourism-related topic with tips and advice for improving your tourism business and getting ahead in the visitor economy. You might be listening to this outside of Tasmania. If so, welcome. The content of these podcasts will be relevant for your tourism business wherever you are based. And today, I'm speaking with Karen Parkinson also known as Karen with a Y. Correct. Hi. Welcome, Karen. Thank you for coming. I'm really (laughs) excited to talk to you today because you're talking about a subject that I'm fascinated about. I have a love-hate relationship (laughs) with this topic and we are talking about Facebook. Yes. So, Karen, you're an expert on Facebook and would you like to tell people a bit about your story of how you got to where you are now? Sure. So, uh, going back eight years
1: now, I started a discount tourism card for Tasmania, more Taz for less. Back when I was 23, I had a huge budget thanks to my mum's divorce settlement (laughs) and I did everything. I had a $16,000 TV commercial. I had billboards. I had a radio ad. I was on all the travel publications and I had absolutely no clue what I was doing and spent it all very quickly. So when I ran out of money, I think we sold around three cards I'd spent about $80,000 in my first year and the cards were $37 each. So if you do the maths, it wasn't I don't wasn't think we great. should do the maths.
0: <laughs> Cost of acquisition, not good. Yeah, not
1: good. And then I turned to Facebook. Mum was like, no more money, which was fair enough. And that's when things sort of started to turn around. It was fairly new back then as far as it had been around for a while, but not a lot of businesses were getting on board. Back in the day where things were a lot easier and there wasn't as much competition, But a lot of the businesses that were on my card started asking me about this Facebook thing and can you help me set up my page and I kind of spent our last dollars going over to America, to social media marketing world and it really opened up my eyes to all these businesses using Facebook, uh, not just in the tourism industry but, you know, the local plumber was there, the police station was there, they all had their own social media departments, they were all on Facebook and I kind of fell in love with Facebook marketing, and since then I've been all over the world to masterminds and events, uh, most recently in Hawaii for a Facebook ads event. And I kept more taz for less for a while. It started going a lot better when I went, put myself through marketing and learnt what a target market was and all these great things that I probably should have known before I was given any money. Uh, but <laughs> you live and learn. <laughs> so I then kept that going for a while, but Facebook was really my passion and marketing. So now I'm full-time Facebook ads. And I have Karen with a Y, which is my Facebook ads agency, and I'm also co-owner of Unstoppable e-commerce, which is all about teaching people to have their own e-commerce store. So Facebook advertising is a big part of that as well, but also, you know, how to set up a store and all those great things that some tourism operators are doing as well. There's a lot of people that come to Tasmania, can't take things home in their suitcase, so having that e-commerce side where people can go back and buy later is also Excellent. Yeah, it ties
0: in. Okay, wow, that's fantastic. In a I nutshell. Think, I think today though, <laughs> there is so much we could go we could talk about with this. Yeah. But if we can stay focused on you being able to help maybe the listeners who are business operators yeah. and want to do or at the at the crossroads of do I keep doing my own social media or do I outsource? Yeah. I know obviously you you run a business, so there's a you know, temptation to say, "Hey, outsource everything." But how do people make that decision?
1: Oh, look, I think first always try it yourself. There's so many great um, teaching tools out there. Facebook have their own program called Blueprint and it's free and you can go on and learn how to do all sorts of things, how to run your own ads, how to use things properly. The number one thing people should do today
0: uh, just from listening to this is go and install their Facebook Pixel. Tell me more about pixels. There's a lot of talk about these and I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about what it means.
1: So the Facebook pixel essentially is just a piece of code that goes on the back end of somebody's website. It's not seen, it won't change the look of your site at all and it's free to install. Where does this code come from? It comes from Facebook. So you set up your own Facebook account. Most people will likely have a page hopefully already and they can set up an ad account and create a free pixel and then it gives you instructions. You can either email these instructions to your web developer, you just put their email in and Facebook sends than the instructions, or you can follow the step-by-step guide and install it yourself. But that's probably the most important thing to making Facebook ads actually work because it tracks everyone that comes to your website. So whenever Via Facebook? Via Facebook, Right, yes. so if they go to Facebook, read through your page. Oh no, they can get to the site anyway, uh-huh. okay. yes. So the uh, Pixel actually puts cookies onto the computer and collects people's data. So when you sign up for a Facebook account you click that little terms and conditions box, which most people don't Don't read. read. (laughs) And it has a privacy policy in there that says, you agree for us to cookie you and to track your usage on Facebook, no matter where where you use Facebook. So if you use it on their phone, then they can track your phone. If you use it on a computer, then they can track your computer. So what happens is all these businesses put the Facebook pixel on their website. And as long as that person also has a Facebook account, then it will track their usage of that website. It can tell which URLs they go to, which pages they visit, which pages they don't visit, and it can tell if they make a booking or not as well. So for a lot of people looking in tourism, they do a lot of planning. You know, there's a lot of that window shopping before they buy, they look at which places they're going to visit, which tours they're going to do, where they want to go shopping, which markets they're going to visit, that sort of thing, and they plan their holiday. So what this does is it pixels them in that planning stage, but allows people to then run an ad to them later. So you can say, hey, we noticed you've been checking us out. Um, We've got this great offer at the moment, you know, come and stay and you get a free bottle of wine or whatever it might be that you want to say to those people but you know that they've already come to your website so you know that they're a
0: warm audience, they've already checked you out, if you like, and that they were interested. And where do we find these stats? Do we find them on our website or is it on Facebook? Facebook. So you
1: can um, view all that data. They never tell you who, mm-hmm. so you never get access to that user data as far as Just numbers. being able to see it, but you can then retarget them based on that. So there's a lot of different audiences you can create. So you can create audiences based on everyone that's ever been to your website up to 180 days, or so around six months of data. Uh, You can do it based on which pages they visit, but probably the most powerful thing is that you can target people on Facebook who are similar to people who have done certain actions. So for instance, you need a seed audience of 100 people, but you can target anyone who's ever gone through and booked my tour and tell Facebook, I want to target people similar to them. So Facebook will look at all this data that they collect about people, so their interests and what they talk about on Facebook, what they search for in Google and all these great things, and go, hey, we're going to show this ad to people who are similar to people who have booked your tour in the past or booked your hotel in so the how past. how do we
0: tell Google or, sorry, Facebook who has booked your tour?
1: So that pixel collects that data. So you basically tell Facebook what it looks like to have a booking. So it might be that you have a thank you page after somebody's booked or a confirmation page and you say, anytime someone goes to this confirmation page, Facebook, that is a booking. And then you go, okay, I want to target anyone similar to that booking. Uh, So that might look different for different companies, if they've booked a tour or if they've booked, you know, a hotel or something like that. But it could even be if you don't book directly on your website, just people that have visited more than once, you know, people that are quite keen and have come back. So there's different ways you can do it. Also, like the top 5% of people based on how long they spend on your site. So if they're really keen rather than just going and leaving. So that lookalike audience, which is what it's called, is also free to set up on Facebook. Obviously, you pay for the advertising. But if you think about all the advertising I was doing, TV, radio, billboards and all these things, you don't know who you're hitting and you don't know... If you're going to target the right person or not, yes, there's travel publications that obviously travel people might be reading. But as far as like putting an ad out onto the radio, you don't know who's listening. With Facebook, you only pay for that ad to be seen by people that you want it to be seen by. So it's a much warmer audience. So the return on ad spend
0: is by far, I believe, one of the most powerful advertising platforms you can use. So do you think everybody should be running ads on Facebook? So if you had a, a limited targeting, sorry, a limited marketing budget, would you recommend Facebook be one of the prime options? Definitely. Obviously look at who your target audience is. Are they on Facebook? Most people are. Yeah, who, who it on
1: Facebook? <laughs> so uh, like people say that the older, older generation aren't on Facebook, but they've actually overtaken yes, the younger generation. Absolutely. So my mum's nearly 70 next year. She's on Facebook more than me and I do it for a full-time living. Uh, she loves it. She travels around and posts all her photos and a lot of the... Uh, grandparents are on to keep in touch with the grandkids because they share photos and things like that. So that sort of 40 to 65 age group have outdone the sort of 18 to 25 age group phenomenally lately. So there's definitely a lot of people on there. And when you set up an audience, Facebook will show you how many people are in that target audience. And you can target based on other things like their love of travel, their love of adventure travel. Do they like cruises? Do they like beaches? Things like that. So it's very targeted. So I definitely put some budget there. And the great thing about it is you can test and measure everything. So if you know what a booking looks like, Facebook will go, okay, well, you spent $200 and you got this amount back to the cent. So you can know if it's working or not. Whereas if you put something else on, you know, they say like 20% of my marketing is working. I just don't know which 20%. With Facebook, you can actually track everything. So if it doesn't work, you can stop. You're not locked into any kind of contracts. You can start from $5 a day. So it's a very small investment and small
0: entry level, I guess, for anyone that wants to try it out. So there's different ways you can use Facebook. You can pay for different services. So you can
1: either do organic posting, which is when you have your own page and you post and you just hope that people see it. Now, over time with more and more competition, there's far less people seeing your posts without paying for it. It's around 2% of your fans will see a post organically. And if people engage with it, if it's really great content and they're tagging their friends and sharing it, then that organic reach increases. So Tourism Tasmania have a fantastic Uh, Facebook presence, they share beautiful photos and then people tag their friends. And so that goes really well organically. However, if you're wanting to get in front of the right people, that's where you pay. And then there's different type of ads you can do. So you can run an event. So Dark Mofo's on at the moment and they have a Dark Mofo event listing on Facebook and they can pay for that event listing to be shown to different people. So it's slightly different look in that it shows the date, the venue, the times, things like that. And people can say that they're going or interested. And then if they post to that event, people will see it a lot more than if it was just straight to their page. And then you can do ads, video ads, link ads, uh, carousel ads, all sorts of different formats that
0: link to an external website like your own tourism website. So uh, is it true that Facebook is trying to discourage uh, taking the the user off Facebook onto another website. So they'd prefer you to stay on Facebook. Look, they love people
1: staying on Facebook because yeah. obviously it's their platform. Mm. The more eyeballs on Facebook, the more ad space they have, the more they can make. However, to a certain extent, like you can still have your bookings made on your own website and things mm-hmm. like that. They also look at the time spent. So if you have an ad that somebody clicks on and they go to your website and it wasn't relevant to them and they go off your website and they time that you're only away from Facebook for 20 seconds... They're going to put that down to your your content on your website's not engaging, and we will not rank that one as highly. Whereas someone goes to your website and comes back five minutes later, and they can tell you stayed on that website because you were looking at all the great things and made a booking. Then they rank that higher, so they don't mind sending people somewhere that they're going to have a good experience, and you know they're going to come back to Facebook. So they do look at when you're setting up an ad, not just the image you use and the copy you use, they actually scan your website and scan all the words on your website and things like that to make sure that you're sending people to a good experience and that you're not breaching any terms and conditions. So selling something you're not supposed to be selling via Facebook.
0: Right. Fascinating. Um, okay. So tell me about uh, using images in your advertising. And my understanding is there's a certain rule around using words overlaid on an image. Can you tell us much about that? So that's changed over the time. It used to be a strict
1: 20% text rule, which meant the image couldn't be taken up by any more than 20% text. They've since changed that you can use more than that. However, the more text you have, the more expensive the ad is to run. Oh, all right. So it will tell you on the ad, look, this looks like it has too much text. The exclusions to that are if it's a picture of your website, you can actually put in a manual review and they will accept that. Also, a lot of people have a lot of text on their packaging. So if it's, you know, a picture of packaging, you can also put in a review and they will accept that to be more text. So... The thing is though, with tourism, it's very visual. People don't want to read about your experience. They want to see your experience. And I'd recommend people over vi- over images use video. Uh, Facebook loves video and especially live video. So I saw a great uh, post. This was an example I used in all of my TICT workshops <laughs> because it was the Great Southern Hotel from memory. This is going back a few years and it was the first snow of the season and it was on the lady's phone. She went out and she said, look, it's here, it's here, it's snowing. The video went for about 30 seconds. It was the shakiest, worst quality video, and within an hour, it had something like 39,000 people had seen it because it was relevant and timely, and it was done on live. People were tagging because they're interested in seeing that sort of thing. So I feel like a lot of people hesitate to use video because they feel like it has to be this polished, professional-looking thing, but people like real. And, you know, there's a lot of smaller tourism operators that could show a real insight to, you know, there's an echidna on our front porch. Like people love to see that. So rather than just taking a snap, do a video, show how excited you are about it. And, you know, if other people are willing to be in your video that are there, staying there, that you could show how excited they are about it. It makes people feel like, oh, I'd love to do that. And they're enticed a lot more, I feel, with a video than just a simple photo.
0: So, okay. So if I run a high-end accommodation property, I kind of have the the sense that I should be only creating content that's very polished, very high-end. How do you feel then about suggesting to a business like that, that they go outside and film off the balcony when it's snowing? Do you think that works with the brand?
1: Look, it has to be on brand for sure. And you'd have your own branding guidelines. There doesn't take that much to actually have a not highly produced, like post-produced, but say an iPhone 8 these days has a better quality video than my digital SLR Nikon that I've got at home. And you can have something like a selfie stick or next level up to that uh, stabiliser that actually you can hold onto the phone and it stops all the shakiness and things like that. And you could go and spend the $150 to get one of those. And then all of a sudden you've got this great setup to take your own videos. So I still don't think you need to pay someone thousands of dollars to come into the business when it's snowing and take those videos, but you can still, and there's tools people can use. There's things like one called Sharker. There's another one called, um, wave.video and you can go and overlay text and things like that. So if you don't have a great video, you can take photos and just put like animated text and things like that to turn it into a video. And the reason I say that is because everyone's newsfeed is customized to them. So if you watch a lot of videos, you'll see more video ads and you'll see more video posts, and they'll stop showing you other things that you don't engage with. If I read a lot of articles, then I'll start seeing more articles in my newsfeed. So you have to be posting a mixture of content types, not just video, not just images, not just articles, so that all different
0: types of people with different preferences see your content. That is excellent advice, actually. So so what I heard you say then is don't just focus on video as your only way to talk about your business. Correct. Mix it up a bit. Yeah, so is there a rule up. of
1: thumb around... Oh, look. I think that what we like to do with Unstoppable E-commerce, and this goes across tourism as well, is we have dream, discover and do. So 40% dream content, 40% discover and 20% do. And the idea behind that is, especially in tourism, it's a great way to do discover which is like, here's our business. Here's a little tour around. Like the discoverer is not salesy at all. You don't want to be too pushy, especially in your organic content. But like, hey, come and find out about us. We do this amazing boat tour and here's the animals we saw today. So someone discovers it. Then dream, you want them to think about, okay, make them think about them going there and what it would be like if they took that experience. So you could maybe do like a, a video of you actually in the boat going around and make people think about that. And then do is quite often people go one way or another. They either do all promotional post, which is look spammy and people kind yeah. of don't engage with it, or they forget to ever ask anyone to book. So that 20% is do and you want people to take action. So that's when you would say, hey, our tour's coming up. We run every day. If you have a holiday coming up, book now. And that's your promotional. So you keep that to 20% so that the rest of the time we're just providing value and engaging, uh, getting them to discover you, then dream about being there. And then that do is really important as
0: well. So out of 10 posts that you might be scheduling, four of them would be dream, yep. four discover and, and two to do. do. So do book with me now. Yep, exactly. Here's a special offer.
1: And that's what we do is we go like dream, discover, dream, discover, do, uh-huh. dream, discover, dream, discover, do. And okay. that's how I would lay out my plan For Facebook. And you can pre-schedule stuff on Facebook. So you could set out your whole month's content like that. It's also a lot easier when you're thinking, okay, I need to come up with this, I need to come up with this, than sitting down every day and going, what am I going to post today? Because that takes a lot more brain power than sitting down for an hour once a week and getting it all done or sitting down for two hours and getting a whole month out and then tie in some relevant timely content as well. So you don't want all these lovely summer photos that you've pre-scheduled and actually it's snowing outside (laughs) because, you know, the weather does change around here, but any business can tap into things that are going on like Dark Mofo at the moment. It's all about painting the town red. Take some photos around your venue that's red, even if you're not involved with the festival and use the hashtag DarkMofo19 and tie into people that are looking around the festival and things like that. So there's a lot of ways that you can tie in. I saw a great one, it was Cold River Valley and this was a couple of years ago, but they had a dark Mofo recovery breakfast and it came with, what's that one that has the tomato juice in it, that cocktail? Um, it Bloody like Mary? A Bloody Mary, yes. <laughs> so it came with a Bloody Mary, so that was red. And it was like a dark mofo recovery breakfast. They weren't involved with the festival at all. They didn't have a stall, I don't believe, but they tied into what was happening at the moment. And then people love to tie into the festival. So, so leveraging events is a massive opportunity. Leveraging events in Tassie, like yep. and The Taste, events Dark on. Mofo, the Garlic Festival, like anything that's going on, tie into that definitely. And there's great hashtags people can use to get their content out there as well. There's not just in Tasmania but Restaurant Australia, um, I think it's just Australia. I can't remember now. It's been a little while. The hashtags Uh, Discover Tasmania is obviously one. There's different regional ones as well. So Hobart and beyond, things like that, that you can put at the end of your content to help you be discovered. And some of those bodies actually will share your content that helps it get
0: out there as well. So let's talk about hashtagging. There's a (laughs) lot of misunderstanding about hashtagging. First question is how many hashtags is a good okay. amount of hashtags? So
1: if you're on Instagram, you can use a lot more hashtags you can, because that is the main way that people find content. So you can use maybe five in the post and you can put up to 30 total. So you could put another 25 in your comments. But Facebook, I like to keep it to one or two. People don't tend to interact with them as much on Facebook. They don't like to see a whole list. If you see lots on Facebook, it kind of looks like you've just auto-posted from Instagram and it doesn't look that great. But two hashtags that are highly relevant – So don't go hashtagging, you know, Taylor Swift because she's really popular and you want people to find your content because it just doesn't work. So hashtagging like the region that you're in and then something specific. So it could be like an event hashtag, like we mentioned the Winter Feast or um, DuckMofo19. And then it could be something around the region, Hobart and beyond that you're in. And look up all of the tourism hashtags I know TICT could probably post a list of all the different tourism hashtags that people can use, but yeah, don't overdo them on Facebook, but they're certainly great, especially around event times, or if you specifically want someone to pick it up. So Tourism Tasmania will go through all of their hashtag every day and find great content to share, and then they have a weekly post of like their top photos. And then Tourism Australia will also pick up. So I did one of these workshops for TICT a while ago taught them the hashtags. And the next day, one of the operators who was quite a small tour operator took a photo and Tourism Australia shared it. So that was huge engagement for him and huge, you know, pickup of people being able to find his business. So they definitely do
0: work, but stick it to two. (laughs) And so if I wanted Tourism Australia or Tourism Tasmania to pick up one of my photos that I was very impressed with, um, what are they looking for? Okay, so that's a great question. Have a look through some of the past ones that they've shared. Every year they do
1: like a different focus and you might know more about this year's one than me but last year it was all about oceans and the coastline. So if that's their theme for the time, try and tie it into that. Also, like there's great, they have the um, one about food, Restaurant Australia yes, perhaps. Yes, Yes, so obviously feature food. If you're going to tie into that hashtag and you don't put any food in the photo, they're not going to share it. But the way that you can get your branding in there, and I've seen some companies do this very well, is maybe they've got a branded wine glass, so they could show a beautiful platter with the wine glass, but not just the food, in the background have your view. So everyone has a lovely view or a lovely venue or something like that. So if you can take a photo that, yes, showcases the great food, but also showcases
0: Tasmania in the background, it's more likely to be shared than just a plate of cheese and bickies. (laughs) Excellent. Um, Okay, so let's change tack for a second and go back to budgeting. How much money do we need to spend on Facebook to be effective at all?
1: Well, it really depends on the business. I would suggest that they sit down, write down, okay, what am I spending at the moment on marketing? What could I trial on Facebook? And then look at how much they can afford to spend to get a sale. So, you know, if it's $3,000 a night Sapphire, they can obviously spend a lot more to get someone to book than if it's, you know, $200 a night is there hotel. a percentage
0: rule of thumb perhaps?
1: It really comes down to their profit margins. If they can work out what their break-even point is and then it would be really nice to at least double that. So Facebook ads generally, uh, you can get around 4X return on ad spend. As a general rule, that's the minimum I'd like to get for my clients. So what's
0: an example of four times?
1: So, for instance, spending $100 to get a $400 sale. So $4 for every dollar put into the advertising. So if you're selling it for $400 a night, the great thing about tourism is people generally aren't just spending one night. So it's a little bit easier to get that bigger percentage. And it really comes down to you can pause ads. You don't have to spend all of it. So you can go in with a $1,000 budget and start to see the results. And if it's not working, you can pause it. But if it is working, you can also increase that budget. So you're never stuck One thing I would say, Facebook ads, is there's an algorithm and Facebook is a computer and it optimises your ads. So as you start with those ads, if you tell Facebook, look, I want people that are going to book, as they start to book, they get an idea of what that person looks like, your ads actually get better and better. So the more data that Facebook gets to work with, the more effective the ads become. So if you turn them off in the first week when Facebook's still learning... That's sort of the biggest mistake is people don't have patience for that learning stage. Facebook has to get an idea of what that ideal customer looks like and then they can start to sort of ramp things up. And as you do start to scale your ads, uh, never putting the budget up more than 20% in a day because what that does is restarts the learning process because Facebook see that as a major change. So if you are going to scale up 20% a day and you can scale without sort of breaking the computer
0: if you like. So, how long should you run a successful ad for, or how long should you how long should you give it until an ad looks like it's being successful? Generally,
1: around three thousand impressions. So you'll be able to see how many impressions your ad has. If you're making decisions before you've had three thousand impressions, you really don't have enough data to make that how decision. How long should it
0: take you to get three thousand
1: impressions? Do you think you can do it in a day if you have okay. enough money, or you can okay. do it, you so know, in a couple of money. weeks?
0: Yeah, it just depends how much you spend to get that. So if I was just giving some advice to a tourism operator who was small, was a little bit nervous about starting to invest in Facebook. How would you start off? How would you start them off?
1: So I generally say if you've got a budget and you want to spend $500 in a month, if you're very first starting off, it's better to spend maybe 300 of that in the very first week. Then you get all that data really quickly. You can wait for that data over the whole month and make the decisions later. But if you do it quickly, then you can go, okay, well, this is the kind of ad that's working. Always try more than one thing try a video, try an image, try different wording, and then you'll get an idea of what's working and what's not. And you can pause the ones that aren't and you can leave running the ones that are. One of the other great targeting options that you've got with Facebook is based on location. So this is like geo-targeting based on their phone and you can target people who are in a certain location who are travelling because they can tell that they're more than 200 kilometres from where they normally live. Now, events do this
0: very well, don't they? But tourism businesses can do it as well.
1: Yeah, tourism business, especially if it's something that someone can book last minute. So if it's a tour or a restaurant or something like that, you can go, I want to target anyone that's in Hobart at the moment that doesn't live here. And then you can say, hey, we do this for Hobart Yachts. And we used to say, okay, um, you know, we've got tours going out today you know, we've got last minute tickets, would you like to buy them? Because they're in the area, you can tell that they're travelling, they don't normally live here. So they're likely to be a tourist or, you know, visiting family, yes, but they might still want to do those sorts of things. So it's a really good targeting option
0: for people. I think it's a good option too, because people like me who travel and don't make many plans and kind of take it as it comes. the
1: sporadic travel. Yeah, you
0: arrive in a place and often it's not Monday to Friday, nine to five, where you might have your office hours open. And if you're not being able to be found and then you're not able to convert me you've lost me yeah exactly and this
1: can be really effective for restaurants too and you could even offer some kind of offer specifically like show us this on your phone and you know you'll get a free bottle of wine with dinner or a free garlic bread or you know something small but then you can also track how many people came in because of that ad because quite often when you're not making the conversion online people won't walk in and go oh I found you on Facebook can I please have a table they'll see you on Facebook they think oh that's fantastic And they'll walk in and go, can I please have a table? And you'll never know that that's why they came. So if you can give some kind of incentive and that then helps you to track that marketing, uh, you can actually have offline tracking as well. It's getting a bit complex, but um, it's a good idea. Some kind of incentive and then just get your staff to write down how many people claimed this. And then you can look back later and go, okay, well, we spent $50 tonight. Two people walked in, cost us $25 or, you know, 10 people walked in and it cost us
0: $5. I love that. So I'm thinking, especially regional where... I love events. I think leveraging off events is a really good opportunity for businesses. So, for instance, when Hawthorne come to Launceston, yes. often there's a Sunday game, and businesses um, need to be able to share that they're open. That maybe they have a special for Hawthorne fans to come, yep. or you know, the game fans to come. So, if a restaurant was open on Sunday morning for breakfast, they could use uh, what did you call it? Fe- not geofencing, What was it called? Geo targeting or oh, geo targeting? Yeah, yep. to put and an, that's an offer where you out. can
1: be really specific in your wording too. Because you can say, hey, do you need a meal before the game? You know, looking for breakfast beforehand or do you need- And this ad
0: would only run for like half a day even. Yeah. You can spend $50,
1: $100, whatever you like. If you're really dipping your toe in the water, spend $10 and just see how it goes. And you can say, hey, do you need a post-match celebratory drink? Come to my pub. Or, you know, do you need a commiseration? (laughs) Also come. Yeah, right. So you can kind of target people who like Hawthorne. Or is this in a post or is this an ad or is this both? So an ad is essentially just a post that you're paying for more people to see. So, so you you're posting it, it and then
0: paying. So no, you don't have oh, to, okay. but
1: I, I would as well. Okay. So you could post it to your own page, then you yep. get that organic reach. Yep. But then I would also run it as an ad to people who, you know, are travelling in Launceston at this current time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God, we could talk
0: forever. <laughs> I'm conscious we're running out of time. How, Karen, would you have any last minute tips and advice you would like to share with tourism operators? Really just get that pixel installed today.
1: Even if you're not using it yet, Facebook starts to collect that data and stores it for six months. So grab that. And then also talking about making sure that your ad is relevant to your audience. So because you can be so defined in your audience, you can show a family with kids on your particular experience, cruise or tour in an ad and target that to people who are parents that have kids. And if you've got someone that's over 50 that's traveling alone, you would show a different picture to that person. So you can really target your message and be quite specific to that person rather than having to be really broad in an ad that you might put in a magazine that lots of different people might pick up. You can segment your different audiences and show something that's really going to relate to them. They're going to see it in the newsfeed and go, oh, that looks like me. Like I'm traveling with kids too. And oh, this must be a kid-friendly place. Or, oh, okay, somebody my age goes there and I'm going to enjoy that. Like, oh, I want to go for the adventure travel or whatever it may be, just really targeting that message to the right person and just test, test everything, see if it works. If it works, great, do it again. The great thing about tourism is you can have the same ad running for ages to that location that travellers, and it will just keep changing the audience based on who comes into the area and then who leaves. So your actual ad might not need changing for a long time if you get one that works.
0: Oh, my goodness. There's so much to learn about Facebook marketing. Thank you so much for it, coming Most in, Karen. Well. Can you please tell all the listeners if this has bamboozled them <laughs> uh, and they would rather you do their work for them, how can they find you?
1: Uh, Karenwithay.com. You do have to spell the Karen with a Y. I have people try it the other way, but it doesn't work. Uh, and all my contact details are on there.
0: Fantastic. I have been speaking to Karen Parkinson from Karen with a Y. I'm so happy she came in to talk to us about Facebook because it's a topic that is never going away for at least a little while anyway. So hopefully the listeners got something out of that. Thank you so much for a conversation. Thank you. Um, Thanks for coming on. I hope that you enjoyed the show. If you did, please tell your tourism colleagues to take a listen too. We're on Talking Tourism here. Thanks for listening and see you next week with our next episode. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism.